Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Great. Awesome. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them to John chapter 10. And while you're getting there, let me welcome us back to our summer teaching series in the parables of Jesus. Uh, We've been going through the parables throughout this summer, uh, but this is the last summer, uh, Sunday, sorry, that we are going to be doing one of the parables because next week we're starting a new series, really excited about we're going to be in first and second Timothy. And I'm really excited because I believe this is going to be a super helpful series for our cultural moment as a church. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to just finish strong in the parables. And so we're going to take a look at Jesus describing himself as a good shepherd. So let's go to John chapter 10, and we're going to begin this morning in verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So, so these verses here are part of what Bible scholars refer to as the seven I am statements of Jesus. And if you're not familiar with the seven I am statements of Jesus, I'm going to put a list of them up here on the screen behind me. And so these are just different ways that Jesus talks about himself. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. And so these are the seven I am statements of Jesus. And this is just a fun fact for the college students that are are here this morning. We did not coordinate this, uh, but the college ministry on Monday nights at that college night For the next seven weeks, we're going to be going through the seven I am statements of Jesus. Isn't that cool? So if you want a deeper dive into these, start going on those Monday uh, nights to the college night. Okay. Why are these statements of Jesus so important? Because there are lots of people in our culture and our world who have tons of opinions about who Jesus is or he isn't. All sorts of ideas of, of, of who they think he might be or what he claimed uh, to be. But, but the Bible shows us over and over and over that God wants to reveal what he's like to people. He wants us to understand who he is. And so he revealed himself in lots of different ways in the Old Testament, like, like a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire, or, or speaking out of a, a, a burning bush. And also when, when uh, in the book of Exodus, Moses has to go and he has to, to meet with Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh asks him, he says, what God do you represent? God had said, tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. And so what is really cool here with Jesus in his I am statements is that in the New Testament here, Jesus is claiming to be the God of the Old Testament. Because if you look, the Greek translation where he says, I am, It's the same as when he says, I am to Pharaoh. So it's really important for us to see that God isn't just in a cloud. He's not just in a pillar of fire. He's not just in a burning bush. He's in a person. 
And he's standing in front of us, and we would do well to listen to him as he describes what God is like. So we're going to dive into what exactly Jesus is saying when he says, I am the good shepherd. And I believe that what he's really talking about here in John 10 is he's talking about leadership. Because that's what good shepherds do, right? Good shepherds lead the sheep. And this is really important in our culture because our culture aches for leadership, doesn't it? People are aching for leadership. They're looking for leadership. People are putting their hope uh, into politics. And it doesn't matter, you know, what, what side you're on, you know, what your political affiliations are. People go, okay, um, we're the folks that can lead America to what we should be, right? We're going we're gonna to lead us into this beautiful uh, future. But I know that a lot of people in our culture, we hear that. People hear that and they go, I, I kind of doubt it. You know what I mean? You know, this question constantly arises, who do we trust to lead us? And we seriously wonder, should we, should we trust politicians or celebrities or famous YouTubers or influencers in their endorsements? Or should we, should we put our trust and our hope in religious or academic institutions? Who should we listen to, right? And there's been so much abuse in leadership that, that it seems like a lot of people that you meet, they just carry around within them this deep cynicism, you know, especially towards someone who says, trust me, follow me, and I'll lead you to life. But here's the thing. We long to be led as people, don't we? I, I believe it's something that is hardwired into us because we want someone to give us a compelling vision of the future. So I believe that what Jesus is talking about here is leadership. Let me also point out some context here in John 10. Because you see this in John 10 and in Jesus talking about the good shepherd and other parables with the sheep and shepherd metaphors, that, that this was a thing in the ancient Near East where Jesus was teaching. There were lots and lots of shepherds around. And you find this imagery a lot in Judaism. I think partly because Moses spent 40 plus years as a shepherd. And then you've got David, who became king, who was the shepherd boy. And so the Jews understood a lot around this idea of what it looked like for a sheep uh, to follow a shepherd. So that's the larger context Jesus is speaking into. But then there's another context, and you find this behind a lot of Jesus' parables. And, and it's this context where he talks about the good shepherd and what he's really doing is he's speaking to the religious leaders of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees. And these were the people who were supposed to be leading well. They were supposed to be leading people to life in God. And Jesus is confronting these guys all the time on their leadership. And they really did not like Jesus. They didn't like his teaching. They didn't like his power. They didn't like his mercy. And so Jesus claim here to be the good shepherd. What he is doing is he is setting up a choice. It was a choice for his original audience, and it's still very much a choice for us today. It's this choice. Whose voice will you follow? Under whose leadership will you live? So that's all the context here. So now let's take a closer look at where Jesus begins this uh, shepherding parable in John chapter 10. Let's start and read verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, he's talking to the Pharisees here, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. 
The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. I think that's really important here. His sheep have an identity. He knows them by name. And it says he leads them out. And when he has brought all of them of his own out, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's really important. We're going to come back to that. It says, but, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So classic parable, right? Some people got it. Some people didn't. They're like, what is Jesus talking about here? What I want to do is I want to focus for a few minutes on what Jesus says here in verses four and five when he talks about my sheep know my voice. They follow me, but, but he talks about the voice of a stranger they will run from. So this begs some questions here. First of all, have I entered through the gate, right? And am I even one of Jesus' sheep? And then do I recognize his voice? Do I know the voice of my shepherd? And what does the voice of a, of a stranger sound like? And I used to read these verses and I used to think, okay, I'm one of Jesus' sheep, right? And so I should have a growing confidence as I follow him that I can actually recognize his voice. I can be confident that I can hear him. And I firmly believe that God is still speaking today. Anybody with me on that? He's still speaking today. And of course, he speaks to us through his inspired word. He speaks to us through the word, and, and we'll talk a lot about that this morning. That's how one of the main ways that we test things that we hear all around us, even in our thoughts. We test them by the scriptures. But the Bible also tells us that God speaks to us through creation. It says that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. But then God also can lead and give guidance to us through godly wisdom and wise counsel and, our, and, and community. And also God speaks to us, I believe, by the Holy Spirit influencing and informing our thoughts. And, and I know you might hear me say that and you might go, okay, Kevin, I'm not sure, man. Like, I really don't know if I've ever heard God's voice before, but let me just say, I, I don't believe it's as complicated as it sounds, really. It, it is something that you learn and it is something that you grow in, but let me give you an example. So in the Old Testament, uh, you've got this prophet, his name is Samuel. Uh, but before he was a prophet, you can read his story, especially in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and it says that as a young boy, he did not recognize God's voice when, when God spoke to him. He didn't, he didn't understand it was God, didn't recognize uh, his voice. But here's what you see in Samuel's life. As he goes through his life, as he follows God and he learns to walk with God, you just see that he has this confidence in hearing God's voice and he's getting very specific directions. Like there's, there's a story in there and it says, literally, he heard God say, I want you to go to Bethlehem. And when you get to Bethlehem, there's going to be this guy named Jesse. And Jesse has some sons, and one of those sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And so he lines up all the sons, and, and, and Samuel thinks, okay, the oldest, this is the next king. And, and God says to him, no, that's not him. And then they find out that it's, it's the youngest, and he anoints David as king. And, and so you see Samuel in his life, he's developing this rhythm of hearing and obeying and moving on the word of the Lord. And I believe that we grow 
in recognizing God's voice as we step out on what we think might be his voice in our thoughts. And here's the thing. God has lots of ways of confirming that it's him. Like I said, one of the primary tests is that it will always be in alignment with the scriptures, with the written word and God's revealed character in the Bible. So if you're thinking something, if you're thinking some direction for life or choices that you're making, they don't line up with scripture, it's not God. That's, that's, just, that's just reality. Um, but God has other ways uh, that, that he likes to confirm things. And I like to ask for confirmation all the time. I just do this all the time with God. I'm like, okay, God, like, like if these thoughts in my head are this direction, I feel like I should go in. If this is really you, then can you please confirm it to me in a way that I can understand? Isn't that a good prayer? And I think God loves to do that. And, and so he confirms things to me all sorts of different ways. One of the ways is with unity with my wife, right? This is just kind of this built-in confirmation. If she's like, man, I don't know about that. That just doesn't feel right. Let's pray about that a little bit more. I'm going to hit the pause button. Does that make sense? But when she's in unity with me and she's like, yeah, we're feeling this together, that literally we were in that unity and God told us to sell our dream home where we were living and move here to Fayetteville to work with New Heights. There was a lot of confirmation in that guidance. God also confirms through the community uh, that he surrounds us with, people who love us and know us. And you can say, hey, pray with me on this decision or on, on this direction. God will confirm through community. And I don't know about you, but I experience this a lot. I'll be thinking something or feeling something and, or have some, you know, verse of scripture that's just kind of just marinating within me. And literally three people independent of each other in the same, you know, short span of time will come say the same thing. Anybody ever had that happen before? And you go, man, I think I'm hearing from God, right? So he loves to bring confirmation. Let me, let me also illustrate this whole idea of learning to recognize the shepherd's voice, uh, with a, with an illustration. In 2006, I had the privilege of leading a team of college-age students through the, the ruins of the seven churches of Revelation. So if you go to the book of Revelation, there are these letters that are written to the seven churches, like Ephesus and Pergamum and Sardis. And so I'm with this team of students, and we're in the ruins of Sardis. And I'm, and I'm talking to them about the history and, and all of that. And then over this hill, I started hearing these noises. And I'm like, what is that? And they get louder and it's like these whistles and these kind of clicking noises and these calls and, and these sounds. And I'm like, what is that? And then over a hill comes a shepherd and he's got a flock of sheep just like on his heels. And they just kind of come down in front of us. And, and then I start hearing something similar, but slightly different, kind of a different sort of call, some different sounds. And here comes another shepherd. And that shepherd comes over the hill with a, a flock of sheep on his heels. And then a third shepherd shows up. But here's, here's the cool thing, you guys. The sheep didn't get confused. The sheep weren't confused by, by the different noises because here's the thing. They knew their shepherd's voice. And what we learned is that each shepherd has a unique call. And the sheep become attuned to that shepherd's voice and, and the, the reason they become so familiar with that shepherd's voice is because the shepherd is always near the sheep and the sheep are always near the shepherd and they won't follow the voice of a stranger. Isn't this cool? And you guys, this is how it is with us and God. I believe that the more time I spend in his presence, 
the more I become familiar with his voice. Like, for example, my mom doesn't have to, when she calls me, go, Kevin, this is your mother. Uh, although she does. Why does she still do that? I'm like, I know it's her. She's like, Kevin, this is your mom. I'm like, I, I know, mom. How you doing? Uh, but, but let's pretend somebody like tried to pretend they were my mom, right? Like, I would know it right away. I'd go, that's a counterfeit. How do I recognize my mom's voice? I've literally heard her voice my entire life. And, and, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you get these, but sometimes as staff, we get these spam emails from Pastor Jim Hall. I don't know, you ever get these? So, so we get these kind of regularly, somebody will hack, we go, somebody hacked his email account again. Um, and so we start getting these emails from Jim Hall. Here's just some I put on the screen. I won't read all of them, but this was like the, the most humorous uh, round of them recently. And so Brad Dutton, our, he does care and community with us here. He starts getting this request from Pastor Jim Hall, like, you know, hey, I want you to do something discreetly. And I know I'm busy praying, but can you do this for me? Uh, and, and so, you know, Brad goes, sure, what's up, buddy? And, and then basically, Jim goes, I want to do this special thing for the staff. Now, nobody can know about it, right? Bless yourself in it, right? But I want to do this for the staff. And, and uh, can you go get these gift cards for me? And I love this here. He says, absolutely. I was eating dinner with my family, but those bozos can wait. Um, now, where are we going to get these gift cards from? So Brad just likes to have fun with these guys. Is that okay? <laughs> You know, and then, and then he's like, so, you know, I want you to go get these gift cards, these Apple gift cards and, and all this stuff. And he's like, okay. And he's like, you mentioned needing some milk and some cigarettes at staff meeting today. So uh, I just want to make sure what kind of cigarettes you want. Are you a 2% kind of guy? And, and he says, there's a sale on milk right now. And he just goes back and forth. I was just like, it's so fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. But here's the deal. How do we know that this isn't Pastor Jim Hall? How do we know it? It's because we spend a lot of time with the real Jim Hall, right? We recognize Jim's voice, and he's got a real unique voice, right? We can all recognize Jim's voice. Can I get an amen, right? But we know it's him because we spend a lot of time with the real Jim Hall. Do you see where this is going? There are a lot of voices in our world, voices in our heads. I want to spend as much time with the true shepherd as I can so that even if he whispers I can hear his voice, and I know it's him, and I can hear other things that go, man, that doesn't quite feel or sound like my shepherd. And this all begs the question, who really, whose voice am I following? And remember, our culture is, surrounds us and, and says to us this. The culture says, you can't trust anybody. And then the culture will say, you know what, just follow your own heart Follow your own intuition, and if it feels good, it's probably right. Isn't that what our culture says to us? Let me be clear here, you guys. If you do not consciously choose a leader, you will subconsciously be influenced by someone else. You will be led. And there's lots of ways that people are, are being led and they're being shepherded in our world today. I'm going to talk about a few. The first way that people are being led, I'm going to call it cultural shepherding. Because our culture says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And then what it does is it disciples us into a way of life. Everybody in our world is being discipled. Everybody is being formed. The question is not whether you'll be formed, it's what will you be formed into? 
And unless we're intentional about our formation to become more like Jesus, we will be shepherded by the choices that our culture presents to us. And you guys, this can feel big. It can feel insidious. Like, okay, like Hollywood is trying to influence me and disciple me, right? Or, or media companies and algorithms. It can, it can feel that big, but it can also be just on the social, relational level where you go, I just want to have friends. So I guess I'll just go along with what my friends think and believe and value. And you guys, we're so bombarded by information these days. I, I just read a study that says that the average American touches their phone 2,417 times a day. And that's not pickups, that's swipes, right? So that, that's the average 2,000 plus a day we touch our phones and we're so bombarded by information that we're not used to asking the question, how am I actually being led here, right? Who am I actually following? And if we're not careful, we could end up in a situation like the tragic farming incident that happened in modern-day Turkey. So BBC News, they actually covered this, where 1,500 sheep jumped off a cliff. And, and so I, it, it was just kind of this crazy thing, like the first one went off this cliff, and then the ones that were behind that one weren't thinking you know, where it was going. And so one goes, and then 1,499, I guess, go, me too, and they just roll off. But here's the thing. 400 of them land in the bottom of this ravine. You got 400 dead sheep in the bottom of the ravine, and 1,100 others jump off. But you know how sheep are just kind of fluffy? You know how they're just kind of just fluffy? So these sheep kind of like make this, this big pillow, this big cushion in the bottom of the ravine, and 1,100 sheep jump off and kind of don't die. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, but, but my point here <laughs> is that, that just one sheep goes, bah, you know, I'm going, and then 1,499 just go, me too, and they just all jump off. We're in, and that's our danger, isn't it? Because you get a few celebrities, you get a few famous YouTubers, famous influencers to say, we're going, and everybody else just kind of follows and rolls in. And I know this isn't particularly encouraging, is it? But I have to keep going here. Because the culture says, don't trust religious institutions, right? Just don't trust religious institutions. They have a bad track record. And, and there's some truth in that if you look over the last 2,000 years of, of history. So let me just talk for a minute about another kind of shepherding. We'll call it bad religious shepherding. Remember the background context that Jesus is speaking into? It's that context of the Pharisees. Let's look at what Jesus actually says to them in John 10, 11 through 13. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, here he's really talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees that wolf coming, you know, Lee Epstein last week talked about the big, big bad wolf, right? And the three little pigs, I thought that was really good. It says it's not a matter of if the bad wolf comes, it's when. So the wolf comes, but these hired hands, they abandon the sheep and he, he abandons the sheep, runs away, and the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. What's Jesus saying here? 
Jesus is saying what God has been saying to unjust religious leaders for a long time. Check out God's critique in Ezekiel. I just, I just needed us to see this this morning. Ezekiel 34, verses 2 through 4, God says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the courage, you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays and searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And, and what these verses go on to say, if you read the rest of the chapter, is that God says, you know what? I will shepherd my sheep. I'll do it. And I'm going to send a good shepherd who is going to do all these things that you're not doing. And this sets up Jesus coming as the good shepherd. So in Ezekiel, what we see is the shepherds are using the flock for their own personal benefit. And when there isn't godly, humble, self-sacrificing leadership, what happens then is the shepherds will push the sheep from behind and the sheep will scatter. And you guys, this is what religion does. Religion pushes. And when you can't keep up, you're met with guilt and shame and condemnation You're not being led out of a a free heart of joy and hope and love. You're being led by religion. And it's into this environment of the Pharisees that Jesus is coming into, and he's saying, but wait a minute. Just wait a minute. He says, I'm different. I have a different type of leadership. I actually lay down my life for my sheep. And then he goes to say, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So you might be hearing this this morning. You might be going, okay, Kevin, I, I don't want to be shepherded by the culture and I don't want to be shepherded by religion. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to play it safe and I'm just going to shepherd myself. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me. And, and again, if we look over the last three years and COVID and all the social and political upheaval that we've been through, it just feels like, you know, we should play it safe. I want to call this, this, this type of shepherding self-shepherding. And self-shepherding is attractive, you know, and it's tempting to just kind of wrap yourself up in a cocoon and just go, I'm not going to trust anybody and nobody just, nobody's try to sell me anything. I'm just going to take care of number one here. And, and you might think, you know, I'm pretty educated. I'm pretty insightful. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty discerning. So I think I'll just lead myself. But there are a number of problems with that. The first being that God did not create any of us to be islands. He created us to be in community, to be in relationship with himself and with others. It's a part of being created in the Imago Dei, the image of the triune God. And God made it, you guys, so that I grow most to become like him when I am around y'all when I am in community, because I need community. Come on. Try it again. I need community. Community needs me. Yes. I need pastors and teachers and people to challenge the thoughts in my head and at times the selfish narcissistic thoughts in my heart. 
I needed those things challenged in me. And our culture of American hyper-individualism does not help us at all here in our formation. I'm going to put a bold statement up here. I believe it is true. You will never be all that Jesus wants you to be by leading yourself. You just won't. And the reality is, is that we need to be saved from ourselves. Like I said, I need to be saved from the dark parts of my heart that sometimes hides my pride and, and my selfishness and my addictive tendencies. I need to be saved from all that. Just following Jesus on my own without, without the leadership of his body is a doomed project. So we don't just need to be saved from our culture and we don't just need to be saved from religion. We need to be saved from ourselves. And, and Max Lucado, in his book on the 23rd Psalm called Traveling Light, he says that if we shepherd ourselves, we might end up with Psalm 23 like this. He says, I am my own shepherd and I am always in need. I drift from sight to sight, channel to channel, seeking relief, but never find it. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death and fall apart. I anoint my head with extra strength Tylenol. My Jack Daniels runneth over. And surely mercy, misery, and misfortune will follow me, and I will live in self-doubt for all the rest of my lonely life. Doesn't that sound miserable? Ugh. Before you despair... There's really good news. It's into these power dynamics of religion and culture and individualism that Jesus comes up and makes a claim. And he says this, he says, I I'm making a new leadership claim. I am actually the good shepherd and I have a different form of leadership. And then what Jesus does, I love this. He takes the whole conversation about leadership to an entirely different level. He says in John 10, 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd and I laid down my life for my sheep. Guys, this is crazy. A shepherd who lays down their life for their sheep? And I want to focus on this particular part of Jesus' goodness for a few minutes. Because this was at the heart of another parable that Jesus told about shepherds and sheep. It's in Luke 15. Let's go there. We're going to read verses 4 through 6, Luke 15. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And here's the thing, in case you missed it, you and I are the lost sheep in this parable. It's us. Because Isaiah 53, verse 6, says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So in Jesus' parable here in Luke, it says the shepherd goes out and takes on the burden of restoring this one lost sheep. And here's the thing. A lot of people in Jesus' day might have heard this parable and they might have thought, okay, Jesus, you're kind of crazy here. Like one dumb, defenseless sheep that wanders off and gets in trouble is not worth saving. But Jesus goes, you know what? The good shepherd does not think that way. He finds it. He finds it. 
He picks up this heavy animal, it probably weighs between 70 and 90 pounds, and he puts it on his shoulders and he brings it home. That sounds like a really rough night to me, right? And yet it says, Jesus says that the shepherd is full of joy. And that's really the heart of this parable in Luke 15. It's the joy that God experiences when the lost are found and the wandering are brought home. It's his joy. It's the heart of God. This is the the heart of Jesus where it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He took on our sins. He did what had to be done to rescue us. God comes after lost humanity and the lamb on his shoulders is you and me. That burden, that cross beam that he took on his shoulders, our cross, my cross, your cross, so that I wouldn't have to experience that. That's the heart of the gospel, amen? It's the heart of, our, of the gospel. And, and our God really is that good shepherd and he really is that good and faithful. And I know a lot of people, they, they might hear this and they might go, man, that, that almost sounds too good to be true. But it's true and he really is that good. And here's the thing, when it comes to the lost, you guys, God doesn't just think sometimes, okay, they're too far gone. Like, okay, they're too far gone. No, you guys, he keeps working. God is working today, and it doesn't matter if you're 18 years old or you're 80 years old. He is still coming after you. And this is literally my story. I think a lot of people would have given up on me. I really do. I think I was that guy in high school. You would have looked at me and you would have thought, this guy is the last guy who would ever become a Christian. And I really wasn't looking for God. I really wasn't. But God came chasing after me. And I believe it was in part because I had two praying grandmas. (laughs) Praying grandmas out there, seriously, God bless you. Keep praying, okay? Keep praying. Pray for those prodigals. Pray pray for those lost ones that that don't know Jesus. Pray. I wasn't looking for God. He came chasing after me. And at the age of 18, God put Christians in my path to tell me and show me the gospel. And I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, I really do believe that you know the way to life and I'm gonna follow you wherever you lead. And I've been following him ever since. And and I think about God doing this, the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep, the God of the universe giving his life for his creation, and it seems completely upside down, doesn't it? And our culture doesn't get this, this whole idea of of the servant leadership of God. And, And But he is a servant leader who is trustworthy and true. And that's actually one of the applications that I want us to make this morning. One of our takeaways, it's this. Our role as the church in society is to be one of servant leadership. And this surprises our culture. It really does, because our culture is used to power and control. So when we as, as Christians, as Christ followers, we first are willing to let ourselves be led by God. That we're not just out there just, you know, just trying to do our own thing and going, okay, God, I'm just going to kind of tack you as just a little add-on and you bless my thing. But we're going, God, my life is yours. Have your way in my life. And when we offer that up from hearts of love and trust and and freedom, and then out of that space, we in turn serve others that are around us. You guys, this tells a better story. 
tells a better story to our loved ones and our families and our co-workers. And, and again, this is my story. And it's the story of so many of us here this morning. And, and I know I would not be here at New Heights serving in the ways that I serve if I had just followed my own desires. If I had not let Jesus lead me, where would I be? Where would you be? It's, it's interesting. Where would you be if you hadn't let Jesus lead you up to this point? I know for me, I guarantee you, I would not have peace in my heart. I would not have those still waters that Psalm 23 so beautifully describes, which we're going to read those verses together just at the end of, of the message here in a few minutes. But here's what I would love to do for us this morning as we kind of move towards um, our ministry time and, and towards just a response. I think this would be a really good place for us to pause and ask some questions. I'm just going to put these up on the screen. First of all, I think it would just be good to ask the question, do I know the good shepherd? I mean, like, do I really know him or have I just kind of been around him? But if I ever said, okay, I'm in with you, Jesus, I'm going to be a part of your flock. I'm going to learn to follow your voice and your voice alone. And, and do you know his voice? Is it, is some of us this morning, he might, he's, he's, I think some of us in this room, he's been chasing after you for a while. He's, he's like me. I ran from God for a long time, uh, but he just kept, he kept coming. That shepherd just keeps looking for that, that lost sheep. Um, and, and, he, and he's calling out. Do you hear him this morning? And do you know his powerful, comforting presence with you? Do I, do I know that? And here's the thing. Maybe you would say, yes, I opened my heart up to Jesus back at camp when I was a kid or, or maybe when I was a college student, but maybe some of us here this morning, you've wandered. And you've wandered and you've taken your eyes off of him and you're just kind of, you know, you're being shepherded by the culture or, or, or you're just, you know, protecting yourself and you're shepherding yourself and your eyes are just, you're just not on him. And I would just invite you this morning, say, Jesus, I really do trust and believe that you are the Lord of life and that you can lead me way better than I can lead myself. And I just want to give my heart afresh to you, to your leadership. I want to say yes to you, Jesus. And I invite you to do that. Commit yourself to him. And here, maybe we have some folks, probably most of us in the room, that you would say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Like the old hymn says, right? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. But let me ask you a question. How are you doing with Jesus' leadership in your life? It's just be just good to pause and ask, how am I doing with that, with Jesus' leadership? Am I sticking close to him regardless of what the sheep around me are saying and doing? Or, or you know, am I just kind of watching the next one, you know, go off the cliff? Remember, be careful, those 1,500 sheep that went off that cliff. Just one sheep following the other sheep, following the other sheep. Following Jesus takes an initial choice, but it's like Lee Epstein said last week, it then takes daily choices of just waking up every day and saying, Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me today. Just lead me wherever you want to. It's a daily choice. And at New Heights, Lee said this last week, at New Heights, we try to take discipleship to Jesus very seriously. We, we want our people to understand what does it mean to actually follow Jesus in his way? And how do we do that in community? 
Because remember, I can't be all that I, God wants me to be alone. So God, how, how do you want to lead me into community? It's why we always talk about things like discovery, community groups, college community groups, deeper, mentoring, equip classes. And I'm going to just make a quick shameless plug for our Following the Way of Jesus class that I'm going to be teaching uh, starting October 2nd. I'm going to kind of do it like a Sunday school class during second service upstairs in the youth room. It's going to be six weeks following the way of Jesus. I, you can register online, but and you'll hear more. I just want to put it on your radar this morning that that class is coming. Okay. I said that we are going to wrap up with Psalm 23 this morning. And I absolutely love Psalm 23. May, it may just be, I, I have lots of favorite Psalms. It's right up there. And again, this is David, the, the shepherd become king. And it's his declaration. And I don't know about you guys, but maybe you're like me. Do you ever forget that the God of the universe knows your name? Do you ever forget that he knows your name and you're actually one of his sheep and he knows you? The hair's on your head. He knows your thoughts, your heart, your desires, your fears, your insecurities. He knows you and he's a good shepherd. And so I need remembering often reminders. And so I memorized Psalm 23 some years ago. And, and there are days where I just pray it over myself. I just say it over myself. I have to be reminded. So I'm going to close the service out, this part of the teaching of, the, of, this, of this service by reading Psalm 23. And I'm going to declare it over myself by faith. And I would invite you, you can read out loud with me if you want, or you could just read along silently, but I would encourage you and invite you to read this by faith over yourself this morning. Let's declare it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, you truly are the good shepherd, and I thank you for seeking and saving this lost one, for coming and doing what we couldn't do in our place, Jesus. And, and Lord, we pray for all the lost people that we know this morning. Lord, would you pursue them, chase after them, place us and others in their path to bring them to yourself. In Jesus, right now, we pray for prodigals. We pray for those who have wandered, that you would bring them to the end of their self-leadership and bring them home. And help us all here as your sheep to have teachable, humble hearts to follow your voice and to know your voice above all the other voices and follow you daily. We love you, Lord, and it's in your good name, Jesus, our shepherd.